Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. Before I begin, I just want to thank everybody who stopped by and especially people who donated to Roger's stream on Friday. We raised a whole bunch of money for a very good cause and acted like a bunch of silly idiots while doing it. It was an absolute blast and it was uh, very cool to hang out with everybody and it was all very much appreciated. So thank you all so much. All right, let's jump in and see what we got going on this week. All right, we're going to do things a little out of order this week because it's time to just rip the band-aid off. The RetroTINK 4K sold out in less than a half hour. And this was not an OSSC Pro situation where they only made a handful. Mike made a ton of these things and they all sold out, which was amazing and awful at the same time because Mike's web provider, Wix, crashed and burned for everybody in the US. Now, Mike absolutely called Wix beforehand and said, hey, I have a huge product launch happening. This is the time it's happening. It's going to overload your servers. And they said, no, it's not. We're fine. And yes, Mike used a correct host. It made sure load balancing was set up and all of that stuff that people so lovely mansplained on Twitter the entire time this was happening wasn't Mike's fault. It sucked a lot. Uh, I tried to get one for a friend who wasn't going to be awake during that time zone. I logged in right at 5 p.m., and the whole thing was broken. I never ended up getting one for a friend of mine. But there's a new batch coming in January. Uh, so probably a month out, maybe a little bit more than that. It's, it's not the end of the world. I do completely understand everybody's frustration. And there were so many people who vented their frustration in the correct manner. <laughs> Happy for you. No, it's not my, your fault that this happened. But I'm really pissed and upset I didn't get one. That is a fair and adult statement to have. Uh, and all of you who, who expressed that, I get it. Just wait another month. My friend who uh, I, I didn't get the Tink 4K for, I'll get you one next month. It'll be fine. Um, but for everybody else, just know that Mike did absolutely his best. Made where I thought was more than would sell in the first week, let alone the first half hour. So that's awesome to see. So much for all the trolls saying that no one will ever buy a $750 scaler. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that, but come on. You know you were thinking it too. Um, so I'm happy for Mike. I love that he's already got another order queued up. It's going to be cool. These things are going to get in stock. And if you were able to get one, the other thing I wanted to mention is the amazing team of people that have been beta testing this have also been building up a wiki of all of the features and how to use it. And then Durf was kind enough to host the whole thing over on consolemods.org. And there is every option and everything in here that you could imagine, and it's still getting built on. So basically think of this as the uh, service manual for your RetroTig 4K. You don't need it. You just plug your stuff in and go. It's coming with profiles that are already awesome. But I absolutely wanted to highlight the, the wiki as well as announce that it's sold out, but it's coming back all at the same time because I think they're all entwined together. If you've already gotten one, now you have a great resource to go to. And if you haven't gotten yours yet, uh, just wait a month. You should have another chance. If you are one of the people that did score a RetroTINK 4K, you might want to consider purchasing one of Kaitor Industries' SCART braces. Um, so who this is not for is very easy to describe. If you're somebody that's constantly plugging different things into the SCART port, or if you don't really use the SCART port at all, this isn't for you. However, or maybe it is, but it's probably not for you. However, if you're somebody that has a, a fixed setup, that if you are going to plug something in or, or switch something around, you would mess with that on your Switch, not on the Tink 4K. 
I would seriously consider this. I would almost call this a must buy at $12 plus shipping because what this ends up doing is taking the screw down terminals that Mike has in the Tink 4K and it wraps around your SCART cable and plugs it in and then you tighten this thing down to keep it secure so the SCART cable won't slowly back itself out or pop out or anything like that. Um, the only thing is you're just going to want to make sure that your cable fits. Um, the ones that I linked to that are fully shielded from retro gaming cables definitely fit. I believe the retro access ones did, but I don't think I have any of those on hand. I, I certainly couldn't find one when I was uh, trying to test. But ones like the cable, <coughs> cable directs, which aren't fully shielded anyway, and things like a flat cable aren't going to fit. So I would just kind of take a look. Um, check it out visually and see if you are unsure or you're going to get another scar cable anyway grab one from the links in the description but this is definitely a cool thing that i think a lot of this is just one of those things where if you're listening you already have gone probably not for me or holy crap that's exactly what i need for my setup so i, I definitely wanted to highlight it because i bet you there's a lot of people already hitting the buy button on this one and the last retro tank 4k related thing of the week a French channel called Mod in France just released a deep dive video on it, all in French. Uh, it is a very good video. I had a couple of my French-speaking friends double-check it and make sure that it's as good as it seemed when I was reading it with the subtitles, and it is. It's just one of those things where if your native language is French, um, rather than try to deal with the auto-generated subtitles of my video, I would strongly recommend checking this one out as well, only this one, whatever's easiest for you to do. And I just, I love seeing stuff like this in multiple languages. I really wish I was smart enough to speak multiple languages because I would absolutely go back and re-record the script in different languages so that you could have different drop-downs to select which audio track that you want. But I can't do that. So if uh, you're a native French speaker and you want to see a decent deep dive and a cool wine collection, uh, I would absolutely check this one out. Um, if not, uh, or if you speak multiple languages, just search YouTube for it because there's a bunch of great videos out there now and you know, of course you could always check out mine too for the old algorithm reasons but I definitely wanted to highlight this one and um, I'll try to figure out if there's any other equally as awesome videos in different languages for people to get to know it as well because uh, like once like I said once again I really wish I could do more bilingual or trilingual stuff I just I don't have the ability to, so it's awesome when other people step up. And also, if you're a content creator and you uh, that's doing these things in different languages and you need some of my footage, just ask, and I'll figure out a way to get it to you. I would totally help. All I ask for is credit. Even if you disagree with the things I say, as long as you don't disagree with measurements. Like, if I measure 1.8 milliseconds of lag, don't say I'm lying. But if you're like, if you're like no, Bob likes blue and I like bread, bread. Wow, fatty's hungry, huh? Bob likes blue and I like red. That's fine. Just uh, ask. I will almost always share my footage um, and help you out with whatever you need, especially if it's something that I can't do, like speaking a different language. So shout out to the channel Mod in France. Uh, and once again, channels around the world, let me know what I could do to help. I really just, you know, just want to help and just get credited and not stolen from. Next up, developer James Howard has released Wolfenduino 3D FX, which is a Wolfenstein 3D one-bit demake for the Arduboy FX. It is completely free and open source, and you could either play this using your Arduboy FX, or you could also play it on your browser if you'd like. It has 10 levels based on the shareware episode Escape from Wolfenstein, enemies, secret weapons, or uh, secret push walls, weapons. I mean, it's everything that you would expect from... Wolfenstein, just basically like a one-bit version. It is very cool. Um, the depth of feel and the graphics are incredibly impressive for something like this. And it just uh, it just reminded me of that uh, that commercial a while back of 
everything that Doom ran on. And it was showing it running on like a refrigerator and everything else. It's very cool. I, I was happy to see this. I, I think projects like this are a lot of fun. So if you want more info and links, definitely check out Crystal's post. Next up is a mini review of a sub $100 audio amp that's pretty darn good. So if you have any need to power two speakers in any scenario, stick around for this mini review. If not, if you already bought like those Kanto Auras or something like that, or, you know, the Ascend Acoustics or whatever with an NAD amp, you could skip this. But if you're at least curious, stick around. I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. But there's a few important points to get to. So first of all, this is the SMSL brand A100. It's under a hundred bucks, including taxes, and there's no shipping from Amazon, but under a hundred total. It's got two RCA inputs, left and right inputs, as well as Bluetooth, and it has a USB-A port, which is weird because it's so weird to see USB-A to A to A cables, but it has a port that allows you to connect it to your computer for a driverless uh, sound module, and you could just connect two speakers up to it, and I did, and I thought it sounded way better than expected. And in fact, I would say that a really good use for this, let's say you've gone into a Goodwill and you found some speakers and you whip out your magnetic field app on your cell phone, or maybe you brought a compass with you and you think the speakers are shielded. So you bring them home, you wave them next to your TV to double check and you, you prove that they are definitely safe to use next to your CRT. How do you power those? You could find a cheap giant amp at a Goodwill and hope that still works. It's probably going to be 20 bucks. It'll probably be fine. Or you could pick up this small, low-powered power supplies built in. It's just an AC plug. It's not an external power brick. Um, and it sounds way better than a $100 amp should sound. Now, it does not sound like the absolutely mind-blowingly awesome NAD316B. That one's still my favorite uh, reasonably priced amp of all time. It doesn't sound as good as the Marantz. It doesn't have nearly as many features, but it's one sixth of the price. <laughs> so that, you know, I always say when I'm talking about audio, it sounds great for the money because you need to put that into perspective. And for under a hundred bucks, I thought it sounded amazing at that price point. Um, the way I used it was I had two ceiling speakers and I was using that Marantz amp to power the living room speakers and those, except whenever you flip on your phone and you want to send audio to it, I would have to then go find the Marantz remote and then change the speakers on it. So it kind of defeated the purpose of just flipping on music from your phone. So I thought, <clears throat> okay, let me get this and let me get some kind of airplay solution. I just got an old uh, Apple, what is it, airport? router. I'd never used one before this, but you could basically just turn all features off and make it an airport base station. I got mine for like 20 bucks or something. It worked perfect. I connected everything up and it sounded phenomenal. It sounded, and these are cheap ceiling speakers, but it sounded as good as the Marantz cheap ceiling speakers though. I'm sure if it was a really good set of speakers, I could definitely hear a difference. Um, and overall it was great, but also the power consumption on it was exactly what I was looking for. I have the volume set to the middle. I have it left on at all times. And when I turned on music and hooked up my power meter, the louder I turned it up, the more power it drew. But as soon as the song stopped playing, even when AirPlay was still connected, it dropped to like one or two watts. So while it wasn't in official standby mode, that's about the same power I've seen from a lot of amps in standby mode. So it was perfect for my needs. The only negative, if you even want to call it that, is it will always default to a different input uh, than the aux input, than the RCAs. So if you want to use it 
the same way I did as an always-on system. If you have a power outage, you have to go over and press the input button. And I think uh, same thing with Bluetooth. If you connect with Bluetooth and then you want to go back to the other connection, you have to manually press the input button on it in order to do so. Out of all the negative things I could say about a product, I think that's pretty funny that that's the only thing I have to say about it is sometimes you occasionally need to press a button. I'm sure there's a scenario in which that might annoy somebody, so I definitely wanted to leave that out there. And I also wanted to mention it because I emailed SMSL and they said there was no way to have a firmware update to change that. I thought that would have been really cool if they had a firmware option where just select what you want the default input to be, but they said that's impossible. So that's cool. But cheap, small, Low-powered, power supply built right in. Uh, sounds really great. Under 100 bucks total. I just thought this was absolutely worth sharing with all of you in case you needed a, a cheap and decent audio solution. Once again, though, if you really want to upgrade your sound to something that sounds way more expensive than you pay, that 316B and the Ascend Acoustic speakers are the perfect match for CRTs because the speakers are shielded. And that combo, for the money, sounds ridiculously good. Um, there's also that Marantz that uh, sounds incredibly close to as good as the NAD, but as a million more features. So that might actually be a better buy for you. Links to all of this stuff are right in the description. And hopefully this was just a, a quick and easy mini review that might help you buy or not buy an amp for, uh, for your setup. The YouTube channel, The Slow Mo Guys, just posted a video showing how the NES Zapper works. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know how it works, or you probably read Nicole's awesome blog write-up a couple of weeks ago, months ago, whatever it was, where she went into it as well. But you probably haven't seen the zapper work in 1.7 million frames per second. Uh, the slow-mo guys are awesome. Their video on how TVs work was the first time I've ever seen a raster scan line being drawn in real time. And when they describe how much they had to slow the footage down in order to see that, it really puts in perspective how amazing CRTs are and how crazy it is that they work the way they do. And this is no different. This is just a short but very, very fun video. And I, I just think everybody here should watch it because it's short, it's to the point, it's very entertaining and also educational as well. So check that one out. Next up, Brendan, a.k.a. Bastish b 64 k just released another epic, almost four-hour-long video about the top 100 New Wave Commodore 64 games. So basically, it's Brendan's picks for the top 100 games released since the year 2000. Anybody that's seen Brendan's work already knows what to expect. Uh, mini deep dives on all the games, great examples, great overviews on them. So even if you, you know, uh, these videos, and that's the one Stika does as well, are really entertaining for me because some of these games I just really enjoy seeing in action and knowing that they exist, but they're not really my kind of thing to play. But a lot of times, you know, out of 20 games that I see, one of them might be something that I end up loving and I'm so glad I got to learn about it. So uh, if you want to, if you're a Commodore 64 fan and you want to just sink into a video or obviously watch it in pieces, then definitely check this out. And if you want to hear more from Brendan, we did an interview last year that was a hell of a lot of fun. And he kind of went into how he makes these videos and, um, you know, all of his whole process too. So very cool. If you're a C64 fan, check all this stuff out. Chris from Displaced Gamers is back with another episode of Behind the Code. This one for the absolutely infamous Jekyll and Hyde. And this was an interesting video because I think everybody has seen or heard of the AVGN video about this. That was awesome. Old school AVGN still makes me laugh when I don't really get to see it that much anymore, but still great videos. And 
this kind of explains a lot of the complaints. So just how large is the bomb's explosion? Can we change it? Can we alter the damage from it? Is there a pattern to the spiders moving up and down? How does RNG work? Can Jekyll walk any faster? There's there's a whole bunch of very cool stuff in this video, and I don't want to spoil any of it. And it just, you know, these behind the codes are something that I appreciate so much because they're a mix of technical knowledge with entertainment value. Because if you've ever suffered through this, as uh, as Chris put it, once forgettable game, um, you might want to know why it's like that. And same thing with Turtles and all the other awesome games that Chris did. So strongly recommend checking this out if you're even remotely interested in stuff like that. And uh, you know, these are always ones that I, I really enjoy watching. Last week, Sega announced that a couple of classic games are being rebooted for modern consoles, and it looks pretty amazing, but I have to I have to approach this with skepticism. Let's see if they all get finished. Let's see if the quality of games is as good as they could be, but I'm really excited for these, and I hope it's good. I'm just curbing my expectations so I don't get let down later, but the games that they announced are Jet Set Radio, so it's just going to be a more modern version of it with updated graphics. Streets of Rage, uh, but now a fully rotating isometric 3D world. So that's kind of cool because in in the video that they showed, it it really was a blend between old school and modern graphics. So I don't know. I'm probably explaining it wrong. There's definitely better people out there than me that could help you visualize this. Um, the Shiro crew put all the examples in the post if you're interested in this. Uh, Shinobi, which looks awesome. This looks like a modern, this looks like an epic modern 2D platformer type of game. This just looks so cool. And that's probably the one I'm going to start with when they released. Also a 3D graphic golden, uh, golden axe. I almost said golden eye, sorry, golden axe. That looks awesome as well. And of course, crazy taxi, which is just, I, I loved that game. I thought it was great in the arcades. I thought it was awesome on the dreamcast. I just, uh, this is just a silly and fun and lighthearted game that anybody could start playing. You don't, you know, you don't need a manual. You don't need a training seminar for this. You just start playing and you could kind of figure out what's going on. And I'm glad to see a game like this get rebooted because this was always a blast. Great music, a lot of fun to play. And hopefully these live up to the overwhelming hype because I mean, seriously, a Shinobi game, a Streets of Rage game, like it's going to be hard to, to live up to those franchises and all of the amazing games in their history. So I hope they're going to be awesome. I, I really want them to be awesome, but I'm definitely just trying to be cautious about my enthusiasm because I, I, I'm just afraid I'm going to get let down. But count me in for every one of these. I really can't wait to see uh, what they're like. And I also am interested to seeing all of the right people review them to give us the, the proper expectations. So hopefully um, once they're a little bit more through the beta part, we could get some preview samples out and have people start reviewing and telling us what these are going to be like. Data Discs has just opened pre-orders on a vinyl version of the Nights into Dreams soundtrack. This is a fully remastered edition with the track listing being resequenced, and it's available in two different editions. There was a limited edition version that's probably going to be sold out by the time you heard this. We definitely remembered to post on social media about it for anybody interested, but the regular version should still be available for pre-order, and anybody who's seen the Data Discs releases knows what to expect. High quality vinyl, um, very cool packaging and, you know, the, the actual sleeve that it comes in and, and everything. It's just, they're high quality. My favorite is still the, the Space Harrier 3D version with the lenticular cover. I overpaid for that. Uh, and I just, 
I'm glad I have it. That's pretty neat. So if you're interested in this, definitely check out Crystal's post. The link is right in there. And it should be released and shipped to you in March, so a couple months from now. And uh, the sleeve is glow-in-the-dark, and I think it's going to be about 40 bucks. So definitely check what that comes out to in your region. But this is pretty cool. It's a great soundtrack, and I'm sure there's a lot of people jumping on this. Tito from Macho Nacho Productions recently released a video about a Game Boy Pocket Color. So this essentially takes a brand new motherboard made by Bucket Mouse and allows you to transplant Game Boy Color main chips and some of the other proprietary stuff over to it and then fit it directly into a Game Boy Pocket shell. But Bucket Mouse also added a whole bunch of other stuff to it, like uh, an accompanying power board, um, different options for LED lighting on the inside. Tito covers it all in the video, but this is one of those niche use cases that I think it's an amazing project. This one's not for everybody, though, because you're going to need to find uh, a beat up and broken Game Boy Color as a donor, and you're either going to need to buy a replacement Game Boy Pocket shell, or maybe you have to find a Game Boy Color with a beat up shell, but a good motherboard and a Game Boy Pocket with a broken motherboard and a, and a good case. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of donor parts for this one, but I, I just love projects like this because there are a lot of people with a pile of parts sitting around that are just trying to, trying to make everything fit together and to try to to save and preserve this original hardware, I guess for the lack of better description. So projects like this are a hell of a lot of fun. I love to see Bucket Mouse release stuff like this. And of course, Tito's video is awesome as always. So definitely give it a watch. Um, I'm not even a big fan of handhelds. I just, I prefer, I like tiny cell phones and giant TVs for gaming, but I really enjoyed this video. And I think this, if you're a Game Boy fan, especially if you're somebody that likes the look and feel of the Game Boy Pocket, at least give the video a watch and check it out. See if it's something that might interest you. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retrosource. I do have to start with an apology, though. Last week, I made a comment that was totally wrong, and I feel like a total ass for it. I had said that the Mr. Team had promised to add RetroTank 4K functionality, and that is not what the person I talked to said. They said they promised to take a look at it once it was released. I don't know how I screwed that one up. I'm really sorry. I make little mistakes every week, but I don't usually make big mistakes like that. And when I do, I need to apologize. Taking a look at something is a fair and reasonable request, but guaranteeing to add something in is not how the Mr. Project works. It's so much bigger of a project than that. So something that seems easy to implement might affect other things. It might be something that every core developer would have to get on board for. It just, it's way too big of a project to just say, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll add that when I get it. So I, I apologize. I'm sorry for the misinformation or for getting people's hopes up. And also, to be clear, this isn't a RetroTINK 4K feature. This would be, if it's possible and if it makes sense for the project, something any HDMI scaler would be able to benefit from. Because the spirit of the Mr. Project is open source and non-inclusive. And you know, whether some devs follow that or not, it's not the point here. That is the spirit of the project. So it wouldn't be a retro tank feature. It would be a, hey, here's a new protocol. If you have an HDMI scaler, you could use this to auto scale stuff. And it would be something that anybody could benefit from. So I screwed up all of that info last week. I'm sorry. I, I don't usually make mistakes that big. But thanks, as always, to the Mr. Team for putting out such amazing stuff the core team that's always dealing with everything people throw at them, the individual developers who are making these cores for us. You're all amazing. Thank you all so much. And thank Lou as well. So let's stop my rambling and jump in. 
First up, the Atlas FPGA is an FPGA gaming device that can already run cores like the Amiga, PCXT, ZX Spectrum, etc. And it runs off a low-cost $30 FPGA, $8 microcontroller, and custom I.O. board. So this is great. This is, um, I don't want to use the word forking the project, even though that's completely what it is, because this isn't like, oh, don't use the DE10 and use this. This is taking everybody's hard work and all of the, the reverse engineering and being able to apply it to other FPGA platforms. It's awesome, and I'm so thankful when people do this. Kind of like that NES that people were messing with a while back. That looked really cool. Speaking of which, there's also another powerful FPGA board coming and developed by FPGA Arcade called the Replay 2. It's coming in two versions and features 4K output, mini ITX form factor, um, and the standard version will have 282,000 LEs. The prototype hardware and developer access is planned for early quarter one, 2024. So <clears throat> I guess um, without knowing anything about this project, my speculation is that as more FPGA dev kits, more FPGA chips are becoming available that are more powerful. People are looking into taking things like Mistex, taking advantage of things like Mistex, Hans's work, and porting these cores over to different pieces of hardware. And as long as it offers something different, I like that too. Uh, and I don't want to throw shade if somebody's just finding an alternative to the DE10, that's cool. But when it offers something else, like much cheaper but limited cores, or much more expensive but 4K output or what, or you know, more powerful FPGA for more cores on it. That's when I think this is very cool, and I'll I will be excited to to support any team that makes any product that's uh, that really is just a, a nod and a continuation of the Mister Project, even on different hardware. So, I wish them the best luck, and I'm interested to see what they come up with. Wizzo, uh, next up, Wizzo has released a script that will allow you to back up saves, save states, screenshots, and settings from your analog pocket onto your mister. The trolls just shit themselves. But, you know, it's uh, two FPGA projects living in harmony together. I think that's absolutely awesome. And I could actually see a very good use case for that. You have your mister hooked up to your dedicated setup, monitor, whatever, and you have your pocket for on the go, and you could sync these up to make sure that you could continue your game on the pocket. I love it. Keep up all this badass work, Wizzo. Next up, Pixel Cherry Ninja posted another interview, this time with Hotego. Uh, I really enjoyed interviewing him and, and hanging out with him when I got to in person. Just, uh, I found him to be a very likable guy. So maybe check out the Pixel Cherry Ninja interview if you want to hear more from him. Next, a huge milestone has been reached with the N64 core. It could now boot every single game in the N64 retail library. And that doesn't necessarily mean that all the games work 100% yet. There's still other things that need to be finished, but that's still a massive milestone and just a testament to Robert's amazing work. So thank you very much. And please don't forget to support Robert on Patreon if you plan on using this and you're in a position to support because... This was called Impossible a few years ago, and Robert's already done it with this, the PlayStation 1, and quite a few others. Uh, also, Wizzo has also updated his games menu script to include more consoles like the Saturn and N64. And this script creates a new folder on the Mr. Menu where you could browse and run all the games stored without a need to open up a core. So this is great with, for people with curated collections. I like the opposite. I like to dump everything onto my retro NAS, link it there, and use Wizzo's favorite script to link all of my favorites either in a subfolder or right on the main menu but choices are amazing and i'm sure that this is something that a lot of people are going to dig um, i especially think this is great for things like people in arcade setups too so you could uh you could have 
all of your favorite games that you've pre-configured for your arcade system right there as well. But, uh, you know, there's no wrong answer. These scripts are free and awesome. So just try them all and pick which one you settle on. Next up, Hotego has some Neo Geo Pocket and Arcade updates. Um, thanks to some MCU developments, microcontroller unit, some of Hotego's current cores support more versions of the games. And you could even get some improvements on games like Rolling Thunder. Uh, but also, the MCU developments will also have implications for the Neo Geo Pocket Core. And Hotego is going to be redesigning it from scratch using the knowledge that was gained. He believes it'll be faster and more enjoyable than to continue to debug the current core. That's so frustrating. You know, <clears throat> when you're at that point where you could just, it, you have to decide of, of continuing to just crawl through the mud in the project that you have or to start at the beginning. That's a, for me, that's a scary thing. Did I waste so much time? Was it the, a learning experience and where I needed to, to go in order to get here? It's always such a tough decision. So, you know, props to Hotego for doing this. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I, I'm especially looking forward to, to messing with the Neo Geo Pocket Core because there's a few games on there. Uh, and there was also a ton of updates to a whole bunch of other different cores like the Mega Drive, SNES. Um, basically, if you know, now is a good time to, to run update all and make sure that you get everything up to date because there's quite a few awesome updates. So as always, thanks so much to Lou. I could never keep up with all of the stuff without him. Please subscribe to his channel and uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next week. Pre-orders are now open for a new batch of G-Comp and G-SCART switches. The price is not cheap at about 300 bucks, more on that in a second, and they're due to ship in March. If you've purchased them before last week, they should be shipping to you fairly soon. This is the latest batch that will ship springtime-ish, and I think there's another batch coming after this, but I'm not 100% sure. Now, the G-SCART and the G-Comp switches are just top tier. They're built like tanks. They've been around forever. They have a bunch of cool features, but not everybody needs those features. So I'll run through some alternatives at the end, but the G-SCART switch has the absolutely awesome sync regeneration. It allows you to convert sync on green to RGBS for the people that need to route a PlayStation 2 through their setup, but also want to take advantage of 480p. The G-Comp switch allows for component and composite video on every port, including the outputs, as well as audio, of course. And both of them are safe, dual, simultaneous output and full auto switching. These things have just been around forever, and I think the main reason they're so expensive is because Super G really locked down the bill of materials to make sure you are never getting swapped out with cheaper parts. That way, if you bought one today or you bought one two years ago, it's the same awesome unit. Unfortunately, though, sticking with high-quality parts means that everything's going up in after the part shortage now and you know all the inflation. So that switch that used to be 225 bucks is now 300 It's nobody's fault, but you get what you pay for. However, there are cheaper alternatives if you would like to. Um, my second favorite switches, and I don't mean to play favorites like that. It's just the G-SCARTs have been around for so long, and they, they just have so many hours behind them that most people that I know who own them kind of even forgot they have them because they never fail. <laughs> so when I say second best, I mean that as a genuine compliment and not at all a dig. But my second favorite switches are the Games Care switches. Um, the component switch, I think, had a batch with uh, that audio would clip with certain consoles, but the one that I had tested previously was awesome. I have another one coming in soon that the team is going to lend me so I could do another review or at least a, a live stream on, and it performed very well. The Games Care SCART switch, I just did a video on, and I maybe a couple months ago, not just, but I really was impressed with how well it performed. 
And I also really liked how they just didn't do any sync stripping at all. I think that it, these days, if you really need something like sync regeneration, you're either going to get the G-SCART or you're going to have some other external solution. So I thought it was great, and it's about 100 bucks cheaper. So there's definitely room if you're looking to save money but still have a high-end switch. And I think the prices are fair for both of them. And I, I really, once again, I mean second best as a compliment, not an insult. But of course, you could always get some cheap switches. I reviewed a $25 three in one out component video switch a while back and it's fine a whole bunch of people said they stopped working after six months to a year but it's like 25 bucks so use it for use it until you save up for something else and then desolder all the RCA jacks and now you have yourself $30 worth of RCA jacks for a $26 switch I'm being a little bit silly but I definitely wanted to put some context into this that you know you get what you pay for and the $26 switch performs better than a $26 switch should but don't expect a miracle out of it the cheap SCART switches, that's a little harder to come by. My personal favorite is the Retro Gaming Cables one. However, that was designed specifically for the Retro Tank 5X. I think Rob might have a, a SCART cable, so receptacle on one end, plug on the other, that would allow you to connect it to any other device. And in the review I did of that one, I also showed many different ways to connect it to other devices. But you might just have to double check to make sure that lines up with what you need. But that one I thought was awesome for 70 And there were some others that were very inconsistent, so I'm a little more hesitant to recommend them. But if you want to see all of the choices of SCART switches, just go to the SCART switch page linked there. So basically, yes, these are expensive. And it's okay if you get upset that they're expensive. But please don't forget that I also just told you about alternatives as cheap as 25 or 70. So I'm not, I, you know, I feel so weird having to over explain everything to you, the audience who's always taken very good care of me. But when we have newcomers coming in, which I always love and want to welcome more newcomers, I just don't want them to think I'm the person that's like, you need a $300 switch or you're just a loser. Like, no, there's so many different ways to do this at different price points. But if you want the best, this is it. So, um, you know, feel free to choose whichever fits your budget and your setup best. And hopefully I was able to kind of lay this out pretty easy for you to paint the picture. Real quick, before I go, I finally watched that video on plagiarism that so many people told me to watch, and you were all right. It really hit home, because I've been stolen from since the day that RetroRGB went live. However, I think that the creator spent so much time laying out all the facts to prove that they weren't exaggerating or lying that they really missed such an important emphasis on what happens to people who come forward. And at risk of just getting even more trolling myself, I really wanted to take a quick moment to talk about that because I think that video, it's at like 9 million views now, I think that inspired a lot of people to come forward and talk about when they were plagiarized, but I don't think they have a sense of what's about to happen to them when they do. So let me walk you through this based on 10 years of experience, which matches up exactly with what that plagiarism video showed. But first and foremost, if you've gotten stolen from, and it's not a mistake, Mistakes definitely do happen all the time, but if it's not a mistake, it's almost always the same thing. Somebody with more followers than you who's done it before. So they're never, ever going to just apologize and move on. 
In fact, the first thing they're going to do is talk about it publicly and spin it as if it's your fault. So immediately, just by coming forward and saying, hey, this person stole from me, you're going to be bombarded with people who are calling you a liar, a clout chaser, a thief. You're just jealous of somebody with more followers than you. Uh, you just saw that plagiarism video and want to ride the cancel train. You are going to be trolled to no end. And since that person surely has more followers than you, it's going to be at a level that you're not used to yet. So you're going to wake up to, instead of having a couple of messages in your inbox, you're going to be bombarded by messages from people who are telling you that this is all your fault. And then they're going to break out the Thor's hammer of bottom feeders, fair use. Now, look, there's absolutely cases where people can legally steal from you, but that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it morally okay. But also fair use is a defense in court. It's not protection. Now, let's be very clear about this. Nobody is going to go to court for this. You're going to spend $50,000 to fight somebody to, to what? Get them to take their video down and give you a percentage of the profit based on how much footage or, or uh, text that they stole? You're going to lose everything fighting this. And the moment you do anything like that, you're, you're just going to get trolled even more. So when people talk about fair use, they're doing that to scare you into stop talking. When in reality, you're not going to do anything anyway. They never needed to drop the fair use hammer because you can't really actually do anything about it. And there are cases where fair use is used absolutely correct, and I'm really glad it's out there. I just hate how it's swung around as a weapon and always improperly used. So if there's nothing you could do, why wouldn't you just DMCA strike somebody then? Well, that is equally a moral thing to think about because while you probably could do that, what does that say about you if you take somebody with a 20-minute video and you DMCA strike them because they stole 10 seconds of footage? Isn't that almost as bad as stealing the footage to begin with? Isn't that something that kind of goes into, well, they got me, so I'll get them? And that's not the right thing to do at all. So what is the right thing to do? I have absolutely no answer to that. I just know that I, I really hope that the person who created that plagiarism video will go back and highlight all of the things I talked about because it's destroyed people before. Simply just saying, hey, this is what happened to me. This is the what, what went on. Here's the proof. More times than not, when that happens, the person who stepped forward is going to get absolutely destroyed. And some people never really come back from that. They, they weren't ready to handle something like that. They didn't think just telling the truth would happen, would cause that. And I've always said a charismatic liar will always be believed over somebody just telling the truth. Because why would you need to spin a story if you're just like, hey, this is what happened. So I don't mean to bum everybody out. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for just talking openly because you're not allowed to talk about this. But I just wanted to warn people, like, you might want to really think about if it's all worth it to you. Because very often when it's happened to me, half the time I thought, you know, this wasn't really worth it. And the other time I was like, yeah, you know, I, I did more good than bad. And I'm already used to just getting shit on all day long on every platform for 10 years now. People really love to hate me. And that's fine. I think uh, I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. It does make me curious why people feel the need to lie so much. But, you know, if that's how, what somebody needs to do in order to get attention, 
I, I can't stop them from doing that, but I can at least take one for the team, get shit on for talking about it, but warn all of you. If you're a smaller creator who's gotten stolen from a larger creator, really consider if it's worth it going out and talking openly about this, or if you're not prepared for the absolute certain backlash that you're going to get just for telling the truth. Well, that's it for this time. As usual, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in absolutely any way. Spreading the word, signing up for monthly support services, clicking on affiliate links, you're all the reason that this is able to keep going. So thank you all so much, and I will see you next week. This week's roundup is brought to you by Neo Paradigm Entertainment, connecting Southeast Asian influencers with opportunities in the West.